Welcome to another episode of Eat, Chit, and Dice, a fortnightly podcast about board games and sometimes food. I'm Jondi, and with me, as always, is... Hi. It's Jared. It's me. (laughs) So, uh, as you guys all know... Well, um, no, don't make assumptions about what people do and do not know. Okay, many of you might realize that today is Valentine. No, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. (laughs) As some of you have heard... There's a rumor that all all Valentine's, all Saints Eve. What is it? What is Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day Eve. Valentine's Day. What is Valentine's Day? It's a, I don't know if it was invented by the card companies or what, but it's a day that couples have to give each other presents or they get mad at each other. Yeah. Okay. So Valentine's Day is a scam where um, Aldi tricks you into buying cheese that is shaped like hearts. Um. Sure. That's a that's a plug for later in the episode. For later in the episode. Stay tuned yes. to find out more about Aldi cheese. Yes, and other tasty, yummy things. So, um, with Valentine's Day this week, <laughs> yes, we decided to play through a lot of two-player games, and these are games that are specifically two-player games, not. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about games for two players. Although, although one of these games, if you play it with the expansion, you can play up to four. That is true. Uh Uh-huh. Which is, uh, I guess, uh, what we should start with, since it's the first one that's on the list here. I think that sounds like a great idea. When did did this game originally come out? Morels. Morels? I want to say it came out in, like, 2010 or something like that. If only we could check. I know. If only there was a website that Um, would tell us. 2012. See, I was close. Mm-hmm. So it is not by any means a brand new game, but if you haven't played it before, it could be brand new to yeah, you. That's that's true. It could be new to you. <laughs> so, Jared, what do you think about Morels? I mean, we should talk about how it's played. First. Yes, Morels uh, is a it's a set collection game. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't anything else to it other than set collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, there's some hand management that comes with set collection. A, a little bit, but for the most part, it's, I mean, it's a straight on set collection game. About mushrooms. Yeah. You're foraging for mushrooms in the forest and collecting them so you can cook them. So the cards consist of a day deck and a night deck. Um, there are, I don't know, 35. I have the rules right in front of me. Um, I could. There are 84 cards. Well, I'm trying to see how many include different. include 10 different types of mushrooms, as okay. well as baskets, cider, butter, pans, and moons. Yeah. So the 10 different types of mushrooms, then there's the, in the day deck. Right. In right. the night deck, there is. There's eight. One night mushroom for each type of mushroom type, except for the destroying angel mushrooms which are the bad mushrooms and the morels, which are like the pristine best mushroom to collect in the game. Mm -hmm. So those are the only two that don't exist in the night deck and the night deck mushrooms. When they come out, when you get them, they are worth more points. Yes. Yes. They're um, harder to get. So the way they get the, the way you get mushrooms, the way you get cards, you just on your turn, you take a card, right? But to get the night ones, you have to take a moon and so then you don't know which one you're getting. Yeah, and then you get a random draw from the night deck and you're like, okay, well, let's see what happens. Oh, I got great. I've literally never seen this card in the game before, ever. 
which is what happened to me. But I the was positive like, I've, there, John D., I've never seen this card. The positive there and something you can use in your strategy. So in a, instead of taking a card from the forest, you can also trade some of the mushrooms you have in your hand for sticks. Yes, you which, can sell them, I guess. Right. So which allows you to take mushrooms further back in the forest. So you have to, in order to trade mushrooms, you have to have at least two of those mushrooms in your hand. Mm -hmm. But the night deck mushrooms are worth two cards. So if you get one of those cards and it's not a type of mushroom that you're trying to collect, that's, that's very quickly, you can just trade it in and get sticks. So um, yeah, that's a really good thing to think about strategy-wise. Because for a while when I was playing the game, I didn't realize that those, somehow I didn't realize that those counted for two cards. So if I had a night mushroom in my hand and I wasn't trying to collect it, then I'd have to waste a turn trying to collect a second one so I could even sell it or trade it in or whatever. So once I realized that, my whole strategy kind of changed. Uh, my strategy was just, um, how can I get the cute little uh, frying pans? Yes. How do I get all the frying pans, Jondi? So I want the frying pans. You start the game with one frying pan. And we, if you look at, some, we'll be posting pictures of um, the games we play throughout yeah. on all our social media. If you so, don't follow us on Twitter, you should follow us on Twitter. Or Instagram. Or the, the Facebook. Or the Facebook. Which or I guess pe do people still use Facebook? Yes, people still use Facebook. Mm -hmm. you, could, you could follow us on all three. But if you look at the pictures we have of Morels, the game that, the game that we both have... We have a version that has little hand-carved sticks. Yes. And little, I don't know if they were 3D printed or what. They're little plastic, know. adorable little plastic They don't have uh, any kind pants. of indication. Like, there's no, like, when I 3D print stuff, there's a lot of You can like kind of tell. tell. I don't know if he just had those produced. But anyway, they're little plastic frying pans, which you can use in place of at least some of the frying pan cards. You start the game with one frying pan, and then... Throughout the game, frying pans come out into the forest because, I don't know, they fall off trees or something. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I don't know. And also, like, the butter, I guess you find... You're like, I'm going to go dig for some mushrooms. Oh, I found some butter. I don't know. Maybe maybe we should have to think about it is, like, you've been foraging for mushrooms and you're going to go to the store and get the stuff you need to cook them. I don't know. But the way that you get the mushrooms is... Or the the pans is by taking one in the forest and there's always eight cards in the forest and the two that are closest to your, the discard deck or closest to what's called the decay. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that you can take without spending sticks. Anything beyond those first two, you have to spend sticks. And at the end of each turn, um, a card goes into a decay. And if you take a card from the decay, you have to take all the cards from the decay. You have a hand limit, so sometimes that might not work out for you. So there might be a card you really want on somebody else's turn, but it goes into the decay and there's, say, there's three cards in the decay and you only have one spot left in your hand. You can't take that card. And when there are four mushrooms or four cards in the decay, decay goes to a discard pile. Those are out of the game. So there are also butter. Yep. And there's butter, cider. Cider. Both of those can be cooked along with a set of mushrooms to get extra points. So the butter is if you cook four or more, I believe it's four or more. And the cider is if you cook five or more of the same type. And one of them adds four extra points. One of them adds five extra points. Yeah, I just never bothered with 
those things. I find they really do help if you end up with them. I play the app a lot mm-hmm. and I've I've seen I've seen it make a difference. Like a five point you could win just by five points and it was because you used a cider. I, I could see so for me it felt like it was a waste of a draw to pull one of those out of the I would agree. The forest. But like if I was pulling from the decay pile, if there were some things in there that I wanted and I ended up with one, sure. Yeah. And that's usually how I end up with them is by taking them out of the decay. Occasionally. But I'm not going to just straight up, oh, oh I want that. Because there's always going to be something. Right. I, I have felt like there's always going to be something better to Occasionally take Occasionally I'll take a butter or a cider if it's there and I actually have that many cards in my hand for whatever this. Oh, I'm getting ready to trade in five tree ears. There's a cider. I might as well take it now, and then I get extra five points. Um, other times I have taken butter or cider in a turn is if one of them is in those two cards. I don't have any sticks to go further, and I don't want the other thing that's there. So then I'll be like, well, okay, I'll take, you know, I'll take that instead. I mean, that's that's fair, but it, it just felt like it was a. I'm. It's not a waste of a turn, but with what I had going on and you it's know, maybe that's of, just my strategy is I mean, to I try agree. to cook the mushrooms and not worry about like, if you can cook two sets of mushrooms on two turns or spend a turn getting a thing that gets you some extra points and cooking one. Well, then I'm going to just cook without, unless, unless, unless that's, I already, if I'm cooking five of them and there's a cider there, I'll, yeah. wa- I'll quote unquote waste the turn because right. that's going to get, but I'm not going to way more points, but, right, yeah, but I'm not going to grab one and then hope I get that many cards. Yeah. yeah. I probably am not going to purposely grab one unless I already have that many cards in my hand or if it ends up in my hand because I've taken from the decay and then I'm going to try really hard to either gather the cards I need to use it. Or I will purposely take a Destroying Angel to get rid of it. Mm. Um, I've been known to take Destroying Angels just to get rid of cards that are in my hand that I don't right, want. Right, because the Poisonous Mushroom reduces your hand size temporarily. By two. Yeah. By two. Um, and or reduces it down to, I can't remember exactly. Well, it reduces it down to four. I mean, you've got the rule book there. Yes, it you, reduces but. it down to four and then um, plus two for any baskets that yeah. you have. Baskets increase your hand size. So, I mean, it's not a bad strategy to go after those things, but I, I'd much rather just focus on generating points faster. Which makes sense. Um, I've played the game a lot, like probably 50 50 times or whatever mm. on the app and the app is exactly the game and I have tried both ways I've tried just going straight for points and not grabbing any of the extra things I've also tried actually grabbing the extra things and it seems like sometimes it's really the luck of the draw because sometimes oh yeah yeah like sometimes you'll have those and you'll be one card away from being able to turn you know to cook something and it doesn't matter what you've done, you don't, you can't get those cards or something else that I've noticed is I'll have like the perfect hand towards the end of the game and I don't have any pans Well, and I can't cook them. (laughs) Okay. So check this out. So if you draw a destroying angel in your initial hand, you have to discard them, right? But you don't replace. So if you, if you were to draw a destroy, yeah, if you were to draw a destroying angel in your, first hand, I think you would just discard it. Yeah, yeah. you just discard them, you and don't replace them. I don't think so. So you could theoretically start the game with no cards in your hand. 
Well, if you got uh, theoretically, just you would pure have to get theory, down all destroying you angels. could. Um, having said that, if you start with a moon or a basket, you get that's a super advantage. It's a major. So advantage. I mean, luck of the draw in this game is it's pr- pretty a severe. Pretty big thing. It can yeah. be like if if I am the first player and I'm like, oh, okay, so the first two cards there are moons. I'm going to take a moon, and then the other moon is going to decay. You don't get access to that. Unless I want to take the decay. Right. Yeah. Um, But, like, if you start with good cards or you start with bad cards, that really can set you up for uh, either a really great game or a really bad game. Right. And here's something else to think about with the Destroying Angels is they will last more than just one turn. They last, they keep your hand size down to whatever your hand size is going to be based on your basket. So four or six or whatever, uh, that lasts as many turns as you have sets that you've cooked. So if you've cooked five sets of mushrooms somehow, I don't know that that's a really easy thing to do, but if you've managed to cook five sets of mushrooms and you take a destroying angel, that destroying angel is going to limit your hand size for five turns. So taking them early in the game isn't as big of a deal as getting stuck with one later in the game. So it becomes a lot more difficult to take the decay with destroying angels in there as the game goes on. So in an earlier printing of the game, the rules for that said, if you start the game with a destroying angel, it cannot be played, but also has no effect since it's not in your play area. And it remains in your hand unless you are able to discard it. Through the influence of a destroying angel collected (laughs) during the game. Um, Does the new printing address that differently? Um, To my understanding, it should be changed, but um, I I know the app handles it the way where it's just discarded with no effect. Um, I think it does, because I've never had one in my I think your printing should reflect that change as well, since your printing is newer than my printing. Having said that... Let I guess you have the rules there. You can check. But I know at least in the app, if you draw in your initial hand, you discard it and nothing happens because you're just like, well, great, I got a bad card. Cool. So. If you start the game with one or more destroying angels, simply discard them without replacing them since you have less than four cards in your hand and no cook sets of mushrooms. Right. So uh, the, it, at least it has been changed. Um, so uh, you get rid of them. You don't replace them. Yes. So if we were to play, I would say let's use your copy since my copy has that uh, pretty severe, I would or say. Or we could use your copy and use my copy's rules. Or, or we could just play by the yeah the new rules. Fine. Yes. yes. Fine. So it is strictly a two-player game unless you have. Yes. The expansion that was on called, Kickstarter. Called Morel's Foray. Yeah. It has foray. a It has a few modules. Yes. That you can play. Some of them are for the two-player game, and most of those, as I've kind of looked through them, and we can talk about them a little bit, look like they'd be fine. There is one variant that is for uh, a four-player game. Yeah, the, the action selection wheel thing. It's super weird, it's and I feel like it's way too fiddly. And I personally, when reading through it, I don't think I would ever play with this. Yeah, it changes it to a selection, like programming game. Yes, like, it okay. completely changes the game. Okay, everybody, set your dials to what action you're going to take. Okay, who's the priority player? Okay, do your action, and then everybody else do their actions. Like, just, just why? Yeah, it becomes almost a programming, and it's an, a simultaneous card selection. I just, 
Oh, you weren't the priority player. Your action's unavailable. Um, check the index on page 12 yeah. to see what your action is. Why? Yeah, it's just... Why complicate the game that much? And now there's slightly different things like in... Um, you All the players start with three sticks in the four-player game, and I'm assuming that's something because there's so many more players, you have to have yeah. the ability to get more than just right. the earlier cards. Because if, if the priority player and then the second priority player, which I don't know what that means, but if we were playing with four players and the first two players, even though it's simultaneous, took their action first, leaving the third priority player without an action, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, they... <sighs> It severely overcomplicates the game, and I don't I, know why. Well, and I just, I don't like unnecessary variants or expansions that complicate a game without making it better. Yeah. If it makes the game worse and it complicates it, I just, I don't want to play that. So, technically, if you have the expansion, you can play the game with four players, but don't, I mean, do what you want. I'm not in charge of you. I'm not your dad. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not anyone that can tell you a thing that you have to do. But don't do it. It's not fun. Yeah. Now, the three-player variant doesn't seem quite as fiddly. So it it plays similar to the two-player game, but it adds the expansion cards, and there are peak cards that I guess let you peek at what's coming up. And um, it's just the purpose of the peek cards is to allow players to see a glimpse of what's coming up in the forest. They're not a part of the forest. They cannot be taken and do not participate in any actions such as map or farm girl. Peak cards will be treated as the top two cards of the day deck for refilling the forest. So. I don't know. I don't know. Like, honestly, I think all I would do with the expansion that we have is use the extra, like the, the, the modules that are just for two players. I would, I'm totally down for trying the two player modules with the new cards. Yeah. Like it adds characters and some new item cards, like a map and and stuff. Yeah. Forest fire, rainstorm. Yeah. There's, there's event cards. There's some new mushrooms. Like that's fine. That's great. But I think what happened was people were like, hey, we really like this game, but, you know, we, we want to play it with more of our friends. Can you add a three player and a four player rules? And the guy was like, OK, sh- sh- sure, I guess. But yeah, but I think I, I after reading through the three player rules and the four player rules, I have zero interest in trying this game with three or four players. No, it is a really good game at two players. I think it's great at two. I think more than that is just going to needlessly complicate the game. So I'm glad I have the expansion, but I will only use the cards and the variants for the two player game. And that's kind of where I stand. The other thing, one thing I do like about the variant, we noticed this um, one very fiddly thing about the game is the forest is usually in a line of a straight line of eight cards. Yes. Yes. And when you refill it, you have to shift, shift everything around. Everything, so you're constantly moving all the cards, and it gets super old. Yeah. Well, when we opened up the expansion box... There is a variant that I love. It's great. It's fantastic, and it takes away that fiddliness. It makes it so that the forest is circular, so it's a wheel, and the decay is in the center. 
Yes. So you have a little marker that you move around to show like which card is the front card. Mm-hmm. And then you just refill behind it. Yes. Instead of so like, the, okay, let's yeah. move all these cards. You just, you, you no, only no. move the token. You just move the token and refill the empty spots and then yeah. you go around clockwise. It's great. It's great. And I would highly suggest unless you like being fiddly and unless you like uh, constantly, repeatedly sliding that cards over. That was the over. worst part of the game. I complained I, yeah. about it constantly. I find and it then very, we found this. It's very arduous. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I will always forever use the circular setup yeah. uh, when and playing the physical game forever. Apparently this was suggested by someone on Board Game Geek. It um, was. Which I guess you have the paper there. You yes, can, it says use with the permission from and many thanks to Math- Matthew Marquand for his ingenious thread on the subject posted at BoardGameGeek.com. There you go. So, ladies and gentlemen, this does mean if you have ideas to make to improve games, post them on BoardGameGeek because you never know. The designers might go, hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to incorporate that into the game. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I don't really have anything else to say about morels. I don't think so either, other than the fact that I think the art is really nice. I enjoy the yeah. art in it. So, um, if, if you guys might have noticed, we have switched up the format of the podcast what? a little bit. Oh my god! So in the past we've always done because we talked about this game for way too long and not on accident. Yes. So in the past we've always done a lot of lists uh, to fit into a theme, and then just mentioned, you know, talked about the game for like a minute or two minutes, and then move on. So we've decided to try something new, and we're gonna we're gonna give you more content. <laughs> yes, we're gonna decrease the number of games that we talk about in an episode, and then try to talk about them more in depth and talk about when we played them and we'll run into a lot less of, Oh, I'm glad you're mentioning that. I've never played that game. Yeah. I have nothing to say. Cause we're going to spend a lot more time playing through the, all the games and refreshing our memories on the games we're talking about. And we're just going to be a little bit more focused. So hopefully you guys all like the new format. Yeah. Um, I'm accepting feedback. Um, you can, if you want to talk to me directly, you can tweet at us. Cause John D doesn't check our Twitter that often. I, I try to, but yeah, I check our Facebook on a regular basis. So if you want to talk to me, Message for me on Facebook. Um, alternatively, we, we do have email addresses that are set up. Uh, we do. I don't want to give those out right now because I need to make sure that they are set up correctly. Having said that, though, um, in the future, I want to do a mailbag episode. So um, that would be fun if we can actually get people to like yeah. message us. Uh, we do. We we do post questions, and we'll be doing it more on Facebook and and. Twitter. Oh my God, John D. Are we, are we advertising things we in our, our social media, oh like a real podcast? Oh would my do? God. It only took us two years to figure I this know. out. So we're going to be talking, like asking a lot of questions on our social media, and we would love for you guys to participate in discussions and give us your feedback on games that we played or games that we're playing or things that you like about different themes we have coming up. Like we really want to hear from, from everybody that listens to us and join in the discussion and tag your friends and have your friends join in the discussion. Yeah. Um, if everybody that's listening right now tells two friends who tell two friends who tell two, two friends, uh, if my math is correct in the next 24 hours, the entire planet will be listening. That'd be awesome. I I may have forgotten to carry a zero. (laughs) Right. So, uh, moving on from, Oh wait, hold on Johnny. Not yet. Um, please also go give us all the stars on iTunes. Yes. All the stars. Or or uh, Google Play. Yeah. Well, iTunes more. I think iTunes is more important than Google Play. But I'll take I'll take all the stars on Google Play too. Thanks. That is not a slight to any of you Android users. Yeah, I'm, folks. we're both Android users. We are. 
but I, um, I mean, this is a MacBook. We say that. We say that as I'm looking at an iPad and you're looking at a MacBook. Hey, 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 that's fine. You know, we don't record on a, an iMac anymore, so that's true. We're recording on a Windows 10 computer. Hooray! Uh, Morels, by the way, is from uh, Two Lanterns Games. Yeah, Brent Povis. Maybe is it the designer. Does it say that? Does it say that yes. somewhere? Brent Povis. All right. You are correct. Good good call, sir. Cool. So moving on. Yeah. What game would you like to talk about next, Jared? Um, well, we've talked about it a few times before, just in passing, or at least the company. But let's talk about The Lady and the Tiger. Specifically, there are two... Okay, let me back up. Let me take one back step back. Back up and explain let the game Let me take one bit. step back. The Lady and the Tiger is a box with a few cards in it. Uh, 18 cards? Uh, if you don't have the promo, it is 12 clue 12 cards, cards, four door cards, and two wild cards. So how many cards is that? Is that 18? <laughs> yes, 18. All right, so it's a box. Yeah, so with, it comes with those. It comes with 15 reference cards and then 25 gems. All right, so basically... Um, here, here's what happened. I don't know that this is the correct timeline, but here's what happened. They drew some pretty art and they said, Hey, we've got these cards, design some games. Uh, how many games are in there? Six, seven, 10, five, five different games that come in this box. Although it's just one box and it's just those cards, but you can play different games. You can play all those games with the same set of cards. Yes. And they're all different. Two of the games are two-player games. So those are the ones that we are, are going to be talking about. Yes, two of them are two-player. Uh, one of them is a two-to-four-player. One of them is a solo game, and the other one is a two-to-six-player game. So there's quite a lot of depth, or I wouldn't say depth. There's quite a lot of variety offered in the number of players in this one small box game. From uh, Jelly Bean Jelly Bean Games, games. Yes. All right, so does the little sheet there, does it tell you who designed which games? It oh, does. Okay, never mind. I found that information. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about Labyrinth, which so, is one of the games that is two-player in there. Yes, Labyrinth was my preferred. Uh, it was the one I liked better of the two two-player games. Yeah. So Labyrinth, you set up a grid, a four-by-four four grid, of the cards with the door cards in each each of the four corners. And then you've got your colored gems. You're either blue or you're... Well, let me back up here. <laughs> All of the cards have two roles, have one of two roles. They're either a lady or a tiger, and they're either blue or red. Yeah. So in Labyrinth, one player is going to be red, one player is going to be blue. And you are trying to move your gems or your tiger cubs from one corner of the grid to the other corner of the grid. So from your lady door. <laughs> Again, John, did we talk about how we couldn't say. <laughs> anyway, you're trying to move them from your uh, lady door to your, to your tiger den. So you do that by you get to move one gem either up, down, left, or right. Not die, so orthog orthogonally. You see, you move one gem, one direction. And then you have to use what are called switch cards. Mm -hmm. And those can get a little bit fiddly if you don't really, really pay attention to what you're doing. One of them has a lady and a tiger on it. One of them is a, has a blue, red and a, a blue side and a red side. Right. So at the end of your turn, you have to switch two cards based on there's a gem on each of those switch cards. Yeah, you, you either have to move a lady card, a tiger card, 
a red card or a blue card. And it'll be what you can move will be indicated by where the gem is. And once you do that, you move the gem. So if you move, if the gem's on tiger and you move two tiger, tiger cards, then you would move right. the gem to a lady, to, to the lady. Right. Cause you used the tiger action. So you have to move it. Yeah. Um, same thing with the color card. If but you if move, you, yeah, yeah. If you do, if you move two tigers and they're the same color, technically you've activated both actions. So you have to move both of the things. Yeah. So that's where we got a little bit confused. I wish that the rules would have been more specific about what they meant by identical cards. Because I honestly, when I read it, I was looking for two car, like cards, like cards that had the same art. Yeah. And I was like, none of these cards have the same art. So uh, it actually took my husband to go, um, it's talking about, I mean, I think, I think somewhere like one sentence in the rules, like if you read the example, you figure out what they mean. But Rather than calling yeah, them, you shouldn't have to read the rule book to figure oh, out how to yeah. play a game. I just feel like come instead on. of calling them identical cards, yeah, there, there, there was could some have been kind of a explanation. better term mm-hmm. for that. But overall, I liked the game. I wouldn't say that it's going to be my, you know, oh, I want to play this game all the time. But if I'm looking for a quick filler game, I would not mind playing this one again. I I liked Labyrinth more than Doors, which we'll talk about which here we'll in a second. About, I didn't. I yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's for the price that you would pay for this. I think the suggested retail is like 20 bucks. I believe so. I don't um, remember. I bought it at BGG Con, but I mean, there's five games, five games for 20 bucks is a good deal. And it's a really small box. So you can throw it in a bag and take it with you somewhere. And if you have 15 minutes to kill, you take it out and kill 15 because none of these games are long. No, they're not very long. They're all like really short. I think short. the longest one is like 15 minutes. Yeah. And, um, you know, the arts is very, it's very nice to look at. Having said that, if you have the choice between like, okay, I've, I've got $20 left. I'm at Gen Con. I'm at, I don't know, packs unplugged. I've got $20 left. What one game should I buy for $20? You should look at this. Check it out for sure. But I don't know that I would say like, if this is your last $20 at a convention, you should buy it. Yeah. Now, uh, there is a sequel coming out to the game. Yes, Jabberwocky. No, there's another. There's a specifically a Lady and the Tiger sequel. Oh, wow. And uh, the sequel itself, I believe maybe Peter Hayward... um, who owns Lady or who owns um, Jelly Bean? I think maybe he designed the sequel itself, which is a two-player bidding game. Okay. Uh, but they ran a contest on their website uh, asking for other people to send them designs. Mm, mm-hmm. That's uh, that's that's the secret to succeeding in the board game industry is have other people do your design work <laughs> for you. Right. Right. Hey, does anybody want to design a game? All right. So it's a space game, right? Um, but, and I want it to be set, uh, you know, basically here's what I want. I want a game in the Futurama universe or the Red Dwarf universe. Okay. Can we're getting off topic. Those? So no, I'm just, I'm just soliciting game designs. Okay. Uh, but they do have another game that will be related to this in a way called Jabberwocky. Jabberwocky. Okay. Out. I know about Jabberwocky. Jabberwocky is going to be the same type of thing. It's going to have all the exact cool same thing. cards, but it, it's going to have several different variants to play with the the components in the game it's gonna have green cards purple cards and yellow cards instead of red and blue and i believe i read somewhere that there will be at least one variant in jabberwocky that 
puts the Jabberwocky cards and the Lady and the Tiger cards together into one game. Yeah, there's some seven player games and I, I would imagine you probably would need to have both games. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find I mean, out. It's not out yet. I don't think. But it's also 18 cards, five games in one box. The art's super cool. Um, and it's based on Alice in Wonderland, I guess. Yeah. So. But yeah, um, Labyrinth, I liked it. I, I would play it again. Uh, my husband liked it as well. So I would, I would definitely play it again. The other two-player game, however, I would never play again. <laughs> Even if somebody said, hey, let's play this, I'd be like, hey, how about we don't? And if we're going to play Lady of the Tiger, let's play Labyrinth. Because I did not like the other one. Yep. That one is called Doors. <laughs> Jared, why don't you uh, start us off and talk about Doors? All right, here's how Doors works. Um, one person is the guesser, one person's the collector. And at the beginning of the game, um, you use the door cards, which are there's a blue lady, a blue tiger a red lady and a red tiger and you go, okay, I'm taking two cards and I got both blue cards. Okay. Well, exactly then I know that John D is a red thing. And yes. then on your first turn, you guess, uh, John D, are you the red tiger and you win? Yeah. So what you're trying to do, what the <laughs> there's, guesser, there's more to it than that, but that's what happened. Yeah. So, okay. You're supposed to shuffle up the four door cards and deal two random cards to each player. Oh, and then, I got both lady cards. So, John D, I have a 50 chance. Can I chance. finish? <laughs> oh, my God. Let me explain this because it's a lot funnier about what happened and we can criticize it a lot more if people okay, have explained fine, fine. it. Fine. So, you deal two random door cards to each player. There are only four in the game. And then each player is supposed to select one of those and then put the other one off aside and that becomes their secret identity. Then all of the clue cards are shuffled together and four are out on the table. The collector each turn takes a card and puts it in front of them. The guesser takes a card, destroys it, and then has the choice to try to guess what role the collector has. So you can be like, oh, you have a red lady. And if you're wrong, they score points. If you're correct, then you score points. The other way to score points is... The collector's collecting all these cards in front of them. You're trying to score based on a set of four based on your identity. So if Jared has a bunch of cards in front of him I'm and I have a blue lady, I'm hoping that he'll either get four blue cards or four lady cards and then I can score a set. Same thing for him, even while he's the collector, he's also trying to collect cards based on whatever his role is. So those are the ways you can score. Now, back to what happened. This happened in when I played Jeremy, and it happened where I played Jared, and it's real dumb. Is you're, you're dealing out those four cards, and there's a really good chance that one person's going to get both yeah. red cards, and one person's going to get both blue cards. I mean, to be fair, to the game's credit, it'll, it's only supposed to be like a five-minute game. That's true. So it's not like... Oh, I spent all this time setting this game up and you won on the first turn. Like it's you dealt out two cards. What I just what I find really annoying, though, is if since that's such a high probability, you then, have a pretty good chance of getting either both blue cards, both red cards, both lady cards or both tiger cards. Because you can score if I just wanted to say, oh, you have blue. I end the game right there or end the round right there. And I just get lesser points because I didn't I didn't guess both your color and your role. I mean, you, so, can, you can run the numbers on this, but it's a nearly 50% chance that you're going to get two of the same kind of card, whether it's the same color or the same face. Right. So I think, I think it would be a lot better if you shuffled those four door cards 
And, and you just each dealt person, one to yeah, each. Yeah, because then you have no idea. Because you don't know what those two other cards would be then. Right. Like, like, I know that I have a red tiger, but I don't know what those two cards are. Yeah. So then it makes the guessing a little bit more difficult. So it doesn't, for me, it wouldn't still, it, it would make it a slightly better game. I still don't think I would have particularly cared for the game, but I think that would improve it a lot right there. Yeah. Now he may have uh, play tested it with that idea and the game lasted too long or people kept, because uh, you get points if you run the deck out. You do. And I got a problem with the way that works too. So it's the yeah, guesser. Yeah, you can just never guess. So yeah, it's the guesser that gets points if Force you run the deck out. Force me to take out. I think that it should be the collector that gets the points because the collector has no control over when the game goes or when the the round ends other than possibly collecting, being sneaky enough with the cards they're collecting that the guesser has chosen not to guess. Exactly. Like if you would have looked at what I took, I took very evenly tigers, ladies and reds and blues. Right. Very evenly. So I think it should be the collector that gets the points if you run the deck out. Because if the guesser is the one that gets the points, so all I have to do is be like, well, I want those points. Yeah, I just, so uh, I'm I don't just wanna, not going to guess. Don't, I don't know. But now, maybe the rule book wasn't clear about this. Maybe you have to guess. No, it says it's optional. It's optional? Yes. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's stupid. And I really think that the... Scoring is very odd. Like you're trying to get to 10 gems or like, yeah, you're trying to get to 10 of the gems. So you get a various amount of points. So you might go through two or three rounds to win the game, but it goes very quickly because if, because uh, the collector has the ability to get five or six gems Mm -hmm. at a time. Mm -hmm. So... I, I don't know. I just think that the scoring there was, I don't know if they just threw some numbers on the, on the page. Cause it just doesn't feel like it was thought out a lot. And again, because it's a box with 18 cards, it very well may have been the case that one of these games was developed and they said, well, we can probably come up with some other games. If we're going to charge 20 bucks for this, let's, let's make some more rules for some more right. games. And that's fine. But I feel like even this particular game could be better if they had just, put a little bit more thought into the, the actual points that you earn, how those door cards work and who gets points for what. Yeah. I think it would be a lot better of a game. Well, you know, what is a game that I don't think is redeemable at all. Okay. Let's, let's do a little bit of a story time. There was a game that was released as a promotional item for international tabletop day. People have complained that this game was only available as a promotional item. They're like, oh, we want to buy this game at retail. This is unfair that it is only available during this very special event. I have to go somewhere to go to an event to get a copy of this game? That's that's unfair. Make this available to me. Well, let me let I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The name of that game is Wonderland, by the way, and you're not missing anything. You're definitely not. The art is pretty. I know I don't like to be negative about games because just because I didn't like a game Maybe you like it. It's not for me. This game, I don't know who this game is for. I don't. I honestly don't either. If if you love Lewis Carroll and your favorite books are the Alice in Wonderland books, and you're like, dude, The Looking Glass is the best novel I've ever written, then maybe this game is for you that I've ever written. Is that what I said? What did I just say? doesn't matter. I think that the art is beautiful. Um, it's art by Beth Sob- Sobel. 
I think that's how you say her name. She has a lot of board game art and she did a fantastic job with the art on Wonderland. That's really the only good thing I can say about this game is that I like the art. So here's how the the game works. Um, I take seven cards. Either I'm Alice or I'm the Red Queen. I take seven cards. You take seven cards. Um, put them down randomly because it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, it, it matters a little bit. And then count up the points. Because of you know how many points are there, but... Right, so you're, you're playing in columns. The first three turns, you're putting um, like the X and Y coordinates down essentially is what you're doing. So you have seven cards, one through seven. You, you're playing them down. The first three turns, you're determining the point value of the row or the column. That's where the strategy basically ends because then you play in a three by three grid that is Wonderland. And some of the cards have, they call them potions, but it's like a, a poison that makes the card zero points. Some of them have cakes, which doubles the points. Um, you just play those down and then whoever has the most amount of points on in the cards column in the column row gets the amount of points that you played in the first three turns. The problem with that, and I think this is a big problem, it doesn't matter what strategy I'm trying to do because it's essentially tic-tac-toe. I put down a card that has a potion on it that's going to affect like, okay, I could be like, Oh, I'm going to strategize. I'm going to try to poison John D and make myself have a cake. Well, you can't do that because it's, it's like trying to strategize and tic-tac-toe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put an X here. And then on my next turn, I'm going to put an X there so that I can get three in a row. It doesn't matter. Cause I just got blocked. Right. I mean, there's, there's a limited amount of like the, the cake or the poison is only on like one edge of the card and they're on all the cards. Yeah. So I get, but still, I mean, it really is, it's tic-tac-toe with pretty cards. And then fiddly, (laughs) fiddly scoring at the end. The scoring. So you spend a lot of time uh, going, okay, well, this card is worth zero and I have, no, seven, six, no, three. Okay. I get this. I get this column. I mean, it's just, the scoring is really fiddly. Like I understand the concept, but it just. uh, We had a friend of ours on the phone while we were doing it. And I think he was just like. He was listening to us try to figure out the points, and he was like, oh, my God, that sounds awful. Now, we did not play. There there are four cards. Four? This is the number four, Johnny. He's holding up a three. There are four cards in the game that are, like, variant cards that are, are like, Wonderland cards. But um, what's the point? I, I don't know. I can't see that they would be major game changers. They overproduced this game for what is essentially a promotional item. It comes with a velvet bag that has embroidery on it. Which and, we will post a picture and of. And the cards are nice. It's not cheap card stock. No, I mean, they did a great job with the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the game stinks. Now, again, just because we didn't like a game doesn't mean you, you're not allowed to like this game. You but, can like uh, it, but I might tell you you have bad taste. I don't know. I don't know who would like this Why game. Why don't you just play tic-tac-toe like there are people that are like legitimately spending a hundred dollars to buy this game on ebay don't do it don't do it no i will give my copy to somebody seriously if you want this game super bad tweet (laughs) at us or facebook us and i will send it to you (laughs) because i never want to play it again yeah well, that uh, that about does it for that. Mm-mm. The game also it's from Renegade Games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think we mentioned that. And I like a lot of Renegade I games. I really do. Don't like this one though. No, this one's. Uh, but again, it's not a game. It's a promotional item. Uh huh. 
Uh-huh. What's uh-huh. really funny is on Tabletop Day this year, Jared and Kat were in Nashville, and I was moving. And <laughs> Jared, we both wanted this game so bad that I took time out of my day from moving to go to the board game store and get this game for both Jared and I. I mean, that's how much we wanted this stupid promotional game. Like, and now we just now, and that's been since Tabletop Day. To, to be fair, when it was like being hyped up, People were like, oh, this is great. This is this is such a good game. I really like this. Um, okay, but I don't. Well, and I think I didn't know that I didn't like it. Honestly, I think we fell in we fell a victim to the hype of yeah. a tabletop day promotional item yeah. that wasn't just a promo card. Yeah. Uh it was not a free promotional item that we had to buy it. But uh yeah, it is not a great game. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Onitama? Yeah. Now that is a great game. Samurai Chess? Yes. That is a great game. It's from Arcane Wonders. It comes in a real weird box. (laughs) Uh, It comes in this long, skinny square box that opens. I love the way it opens and it holds the game very well. It holds, there's a, there's a, the the game board is a. It's a neoprene mat. Yeah. It's like a mouse pad. So you can roll that up and it fits in there. All the pieces, there's a insert in there that holds all the pieces and the cards like really well. And at some point, um, follow us on social media and we'll post a picture of it. But um, the game is kind yeah, Jared's right. It's, it's kind of samurai chess. So each person has four pieces. Well, five. Right. Because you've got five. the, the you have your four, four little guys. Little guys and then you have the your, like, your king or whatever. And... <laughs> There will be five. Your king or like, whatever. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different cards in the game that all have different. Uh, that have, they have diagrams on them showing you like where your piece would be able to move if you're using that card. And you only use five of them in a game and the rest of them are set aside. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of replay value. here. Yes. And on your turn, you, you move your piece based on one of the two cards in front of you. You cycle that card over to the other player, and then you take the, the, a card that the other player had just used. And so the cards are constantly cycling around. So when you're using those cards, you have to both think about where you want to move your guy to try to win the game. But you also have to look at the cards because you, you keep them face, down in front of, face up in front of you. So you have to also be looking at the movements that the other player has and think, okay, I'm going to have that at some point. Also, if I move here and they use one of those cards, will they be able to capture my guy? Yeah, I think you had some trouble with that. Yeah, I'm not good at I'm not good at strategy games. Um, I'll play them because a lot of people I know like them, but uh, not good at this game. Yeah, it was a lot of, I spent most of the game moving Wow, there's a kitty cat screaming outside. Yep. Uh, I spent most of the game moving my guys around in very specific ways that if theoretically I got any of the cards at any time, I would be able to move into a threatening space, which was unfortunate unfortunate for Jondi because then she had to spend the game uh, trying to move away from moving Jared. away. <laughs> so, yeah. It's it's a cool game. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's it is very thinky. You do need to. It, it's it's, it's every it's bit chess. as much. It is. It's chess with different limitations and different ways. Like the way to win with this game is either by capturing the other person's master, or there's a temple yeah. spot where the master starts, and you want to get your master into the other master's temple. Right, which is uh, dangerous because if you start moving them. 
out into the open, so to speak, uh, they're a little bit more vulnerable than if you block, but, but not really because the moves that you have will change every game every, that you play and every, every turn yeah. that you take. Yeah. So it's not like in chess where every single piece moves the same way all the time in this game, every turn it's going to change and every game you're going to have different cards. And if you buy the first expansion, which I think is sensei's path, then you get even more cards yeah. added in. So the two ways to win, they call it way of the stone or way of the stream. Uh, way of the stone is when you capture your master's, they, you capture the opponent's master pawn. Way of the stream is if you move your master into the opponent's temple arch space. Yeah. So, you know, they have fancy names for stuff and, you know, it's, it's a cool game and it's not, a, depending on how much thinky, like how, how hard you think about each turn, it's really not that long of a game. Like. 20 minutes, even if you're thinking really hard, yeah, 20, 30 yeah. minutes, even if you're putting a lot of thought into your moves, game's going to be over in 20 or 30 minutes. It's not a really long game. Yeah. And, uh, the fact that theoretically every single time that you play, you're going to have a different pool of moves. I really enjoyed that. I really thought that was like, okay, not every game is ever going to be the same. Yeah, because you're going to have, even if you have used, say, the dragon card before, you might not have used the dragon card with the, I don't know the other names of the cards. Yeah, like versus um, chess, where... The rabbit card. The rabbit card and the dragon card might never show up in the same game again together. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I, I don't spend a lot of time watching chess grandmaster matches, but, you know, there's only so many moves that you can do in chess, mm-hmm. and high-level high level players often have a strategy that they they like like okay he's going for the this strategy that he's known for that he always goes for in tournaments well you can't do that in this game no and i like that yeah me too the board is a lot smaller it's what is a five by five grid uh i think so five by six maybe one two three four yeah five by five so i mean it's it's already crowded and if it was like all the dudes always move the same way It'd be boring. You it would, would get boring. Real you fast. would end up just like, okay, he, uh, well, traditionally I move this guy on the left up here every turn. So let's go. That strategy's always worked. You can't do that. Nope. Can't do that. I really like it. And, you know, I like the, the samurai kind of thing because there's another game we'll talk about in another two player episode that I really, really mm-hmm. like called um, uh, Seven Romeo. Seven Romeo. Yeah. Or seven Romy, seven Ronin. So seven Ronin. We'll talk about that in another episode. But it's also a two-player yeah. game that that I like a lot. That's got the samurai theme or the Oriental theme, anyway. So, wow. um, yeah, I I I would pl- I definitely will play Onitama again, mm-hmm. and probably lose. I honestly don't think I have ever won this game in all the plays I've ever played. I would believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I, it's not like I just stomped all over you when we played. Like I had to deliberately think about how to position myself into getting you back into a corner. It's yes. not just I immediately went, oh, I move here. I move here. I move here. I win. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not so bad at the game that it's over in like three minutes. Right. But... <laughs> It's really easy to trick me into moving somewhere where you can get me. I will admit that. Yeah, I, I think I baited you with one of my guys. You did, and I fell for it. Yeah, just like in chess. You know, you, you got to give up the pawns to uh, yeah, capture so the king. If, if somebody baits you, you have to look at it and be like, well, if I capture that guy, great, I get that guy. But 
look at the other person's moves. Is he, yeah. Does he have a piece that can get me while I'm in that spot? No? Great. I'll capture the guy. Yes? Okay. Is it worth losing my guy for him to take, take you know, is, is it worth it? Yeah, and so, I'm not saying that every time I play this game I'm going to win. I do not expect that to be ever the case with anything that I play. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe I could get better at it the more times I play. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely one where the more times you play, the better you would get at figuring out your strategy. Yeah, I like think so. How, how you want to play and get better at recognizing the different ways you can move. I think so. so. I absolutely think so. It's it's a cool game. There's another... There's another... There's a second expansion for it mm-hmm. that I don't have. The, the first expansion just adds extra cards to give the game even more replayability. Yeah. The other expansion... The second expansion I, adds a, a new piece. Yes. That is a neutral piece. I have that expansion. Um, I don't think I've ever... I have, I've never played with it, though. I've never played it. Yeah, I, I'm going to pick up that expansion because this is a game that I think we will play again. I think I have that. And I, I know I that I'll play the game again with my husband because he really likes it. It's the whole reason that it was on my 10 by 10 last year because I had anticipated I would get 10 plays in with my husband because it's a quick game, quick-ish game. Yeah, it is called the the Way of the Wind. Is that the new? Yes, yes, that's it, Way of the Wind. Yeah, and it adds oh, a wind spirit, a neutral game piece that creates a new layer of interaction in the game. Uh, I believe there's also just a, maybe not a bunch of promo cards, but I, th- I, th- I think there's a few promo cards. Probably. That just add new movement patterns. Yeah. So if you're looking for a, a thinky two-player game, Onotama's a great one. But definitely if strategy thinky type games are not for you, this one probably isn't for you. Yes. Uh, having said that, if you're looking for weird hardcore thinky games... I've got one for you. What is it? Uh, well, John, do you already know? Because you're looking at the thing. I know, but <laughs> whatever. Caverna. Yes. Cave versus cave. That is a definite like gamers game, like two player game. Uh, full disclosure, I have no idea if this game is available because it was printed by Mayfair. I think. I maybe assume it Lookout is. is printing it directly themselves now. I think so. Or like some. Some other Asmodee company is printing it. Like maybe it's been printed a, a, as a Z-Man game because the Agricola that I have was branded a Z-Man game. I would hope so because this is a great game. And I think if you're looking for a really good meaty game for two players, this is a great one. It's a worker placement game without any worker meeples. Yep. What? <laughs> yeah. Jared, can you explain that? Um, you know, uh, a few days ago, I would have had a hard time, but I, I figured out how to explain it. Okay. okay. So in a worker placement game, you take your workers, your meeples, and you place them on a board to select an action. Yes. In Caverna, cave versus cave, instead of doing that, you just take the action. You just mm-hmm. physically pick up the tile that the action is on and you take it off the board and you put it on your side of the board. And that shows that that shows that you've and that makes taken. it so the other player can't use that one right now. You have literally taken the action. Yes. Like I, I realize when I say like, oh, you take the action. You might think that you just do this one. You physically you, take the action you and then you the take action. the action. <laughs> you remove the action from play to indicate that you have played that action. Yes. So uh, in in this game, you are basically, uh, you're playing as dwarves that are trying to uh, excavate a cave and then build rooms into your cave. Yeah, it's it's an Uwe Rosenberg game, so um, if that name means anything to you, 
honestly, if that name means anything to you, you already know what Caverna is. But um, yeah, so the the story is that you have left your dwarf village to set off to make a new dwarf village in a mountain. But as you're getting there, you see, oh, someone else is also doing this. So it's a race to make the best cavern. Uh, you get points. The, the rooms that you build into the areas of your board that you excavate, uh, those are, first of all, they are actions you can take uh, depending on what worker, you know, what worker you use, what tile you use, that you can activate rooms uh, in your cave. But those rooms also have point values on them. And at the end, you're going to score up all your point values along with how much gold you have. And that's going to be your ending score. So when we were playing, I don't know about Jared, but until towards the end, I wasn't paying any attention to how many points were on the rooms I was taking. Oh, I was absolutely. I was not. I was just like, oh, I really think that this ability on this room will really help me build up in the future. Like I, it wasn't until towards the end that I was like, oh, I should be also paying attention to, to the point values on these rooms. That's why I kept taking those rooms that uh, seemingly didn't help me at all. Yes, and they didn't. You had a lot of trouble getting resources I had at food. one point. I had all the food. You had a ton of food, but I you couldn't could get all only the make food. resources. So I, on the other hand, was having I was having a pretty okay time at getting gold and various resources, but I was having trouble getting getting rooms or or walls built because I didn't have food. Yeah. So at the start of the game, there are four actions that you can take. Um, and I don't have the game in front of me to tell you what the four actions are, but they're going to be the same four actions all the time. Um, I do have the rule book PDF here, but I don't think it tells me exactly what they are. So I'm not going to bother looking at it. John D, if you want to browse through there. Um, so it's going to be the same four actions to start every game. And then as you go, there are three tiles for like the, the two tiles there's four three tiles and one four tile. So the, the, the four action is always going to be the same. Um, so those tiles unlock as you play the game. So you're like, okay, I know what the two tiles are, but I don't know what order they're in. Yeah, it looks like the four that you start with are, let me look at this little tiny. Oh, uh, boy. Cultivation, housework, excavation, and undergrowth. Oh, that's right, that's right. So... At the start of every game, you're going to have the same basic actions available. Um, as you excavate your cave, you'll unlock new types of rooms because the room tiles that you build also are actions that you can take. Yeah, so you're, you're going to have limited actions at the beginning of the game, but then as you build your cave, you'll have access to more actions as the game progresses, and then you'll also have more actions on the action board that get unlocked as the rounds go. Because yeah. at the start of the round, you flip over a new action tile. So you might be like, okay, I know in the first three rounds, I'm going to get access to to this tile, which means I need to plan for that by having these tiles cleared so that I can build these rooms. And something to remember when you're when you're picking rooms to build, each room has requirements on how many walls you have to have and where those walls are. Yeah. So sometimes you, you have can't, to think about that. Yeah. So you want to build the dungeon or the to, uh, vault room. I think was the dun- other one. there was a dungeon. There was a treasury. Mm-hmm. I think there were like three cards that you had to have a wall on all four sides. Yeah. That was a little bit rough 
It was. Just because to, there to are only out. even when you get all the way to the final round and all of the tiles have been revealed on the worker placement board or whatever you want to call it, there are only two actions that you that you'd be able to try that let you build walls. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like you walls can just walls are not just a, a commodity that you Yeah, that you can get. just build any time. So when you when if you decide to build a wall, you also have to you have to really think about where you want to put those walls. Yeah, you really have to plan ahead. You really do. Like I, I knew from pretty early on in the in the game that I was going to build the dungeon. I didn't know where the dungeon was in terms of which tile was hiding the dungeon. Right. But I was like, I'm going to build a wall very early in the game here so that later I can use the undermine tile to mine under that wall to clear out this room. So then, then later I can build the dungeon in that room. So it was a super complicated plan that took the whole game to execute. I mean, I managed what this game is. I didn't plan the four sided uh, room from the beginning, but I got one too. You built that room. I you built the wall first. and then you demolished the wall later to build a wall somewhere else. I did. To move a room. Well, you can't move a room, but to move your plan of where the room was going to yes. be. Yes. Yes. So it's, you really have to put a lot of thought into this game. It's, it's definitely one of the more meteor like games, two player games I've ever played. Yeah, that's so, for sure. And I really liked that about it. It wasn't just a light two-player. Like, a lot of two-player games that you find are filler games. Yeah. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. And this one isn't. This is a full game that just happens to be for two players. Yes. Yeah. It's also a solo game. You can play it by yourself. Um, but I I wouldn't do that. Uh, it, something like this is, I think, a lot more fun when you're competing with another person and not just with yeah. yourself. So... But yeah, I, I can't recommend this game enough. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. And uh, again, not sure if it's actually available for purchase right now because Mayfair was publishing it and they are no longer a company. I would assume that you can still get it. I'm going to look and see if it's on Amazon. Well, right there now. you go. Well, while John D does that, um, well... Do you want to talk? I guess I should uh, I should wait for you because you you're you want to talk about this uh, this cheese that you got. It is available on Amazon currently. Mm-hmm. Um, for twenty seven dollars and seventy seven cents. That does not sound like a price that indicates that it's unavailable. It and it is Prime. It is available Prime. Well, there you go. And it doesn't say that there's a small. You know, sometimes the Prime will tell you if there's only like two copies yeah. left, and it does not say only two copies left. There are a lot of used copies of it as well. So yeah, well, there you go. Uh, I guess it still is something you can buy. Yep. Which I think that you should do. I would recommend that you do that. I, I definitely would too. Um, I don't know very many board gamers that wouldn't enjoy this game. Yeah, that's definitely true. Unlike Wonderland, when I don't know anybody that would yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, um, unfortunately, because I really like the art. I love the art. The art's beautiful, but yeah, it's well, not a great game. Oh, well. Uh, John D., what about your cheese? Well, so um, I found out, like, I don't know. Everybody might have heard that all the, the all the grocery store tends to do, like, special seasonal things. Like, at Christmas time, they have a wine advent calendar that everybody, like, mm-hmm. goes insane to get hold of. I did not get one this year. I wanted one. I don't even like wine. But for some reason, Aldi con- convinced me I needed this this stupid 
advent calendar uh, and I didn't get it. So they also do Valentine's Day foods. And I saw when the first news story first came up and said they were doing like heart shaped cheeses. I was like, shut up. I have to have these. So I even put on my calendar which day they were going to be at Aldi. And I was like, yep, I'm getting these. So fast forward to the day in January that they were going to be available. And it was during the great polar vortex of the Midwest. And it was like negative 19 degrees outside. And it was warmer in Anchorage, Alaska than it was in Southern Indiana. To be fair, uh, in Chicago, it was like negative a thousand. Oh my God. It was ridiculous. By the way, guys, I just want to remind you, the temperature of boiling water has not changed. So... Don't ever throw boiling water into the air for any reason, ever. Just because you saw someone make a fake meme video. That's right, fake. Don't try this at home. What the hell are you talking about? There was a video of this guy that had a pot of... I'm just going to tell you what the video purported to be. Had a pot of boiling water. He Uh went outside during the polar vortex, threw it up in the air, and it immediately turned to snow. No. And it was a try this at home challenge kind of thing, you know? No, you're going to burn yourself. Yes, because it was a fake video. Okay, so back to the great polar vortex of January. The the day that Aldi was supposed to get these things, it was like insanely cold. And I did not feel like, we, my husband and I only have one car. So well, I did you not, have two cars, well, but one, of them one doesn't, doesn't work. work. So I didn't, I didn't want to keep the car to go. So I asked my husband to go to Aldi on his lunch break because I didn't want him to wait till the end of the day because I was like, if you wait till the end oh, of the yeah, day, they'll all be out. gone. Yeah. So he actually went on his lunch break and they didn't yeah, have I can't believe you did that. They didn't have any. Like nothing. And it turned out they just didn't get them that day. So he had to go the next day. Had to. Well, because I had told him that he <laughs> should not come home if he did not go and get them for me. So not only did he get, they had, he got... Uh, we got a lot, Aldi had a lot of different Valentine's Day foods, and he got a lot of them, which I was really excited about. But the things that I had wanted the most were the cheeses, and he got two of each of, two, two of the cheeses. There was a uh, cranberry, uh, like a creamy cheese with cranberries um, in it. A, a creamy cheese or cream cheese? It says creamy cheese. What does that mean? What kind I of cheese I think is it's that? probably just a, one of those, um, I think it's a spreadable type. Mm, it's a white okay. cheese. Um, there is a, let's see, they're Wensleydale cheeses. I don't know what a Wensleydale cheese is, but it says it's Wensleydale cheese with these things. So the, the there's a the Wensleydale cheese with sweet cranberries. Okay. Um, there's a Wensleydale cheese that's in a heart. It's in a heart shape with raspberries and white chocolate, which I think sounds delicious. Okay. Um, there is a creamy cinnamon cheese with raisins and diced apples, which also sounds incredibly interesting, and I'm excited to try that. And then there's also just a mature cheddar. Uh, ah, cheddar. There's one that I've heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mature cheddar classic mm, English mm. cheese. It's not immature and, and teenager. Mm, yes, it's I know mature. some of these words. Hmm. Mm, cheddar, yes, I've heard of that one. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, a new cranberry, I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. We got all those cheeses. There, there, there were a lot of other Valentine's Day things there, like heart-shaped pasta and heart-shaped bread. But we we focused on the cheeses. My husband also got some. Um, so you'll be doing an unboxing, right? Sure. 
Uh, we also, my husband also got some shortbread, heart-shaped shortbread cookies. I saw with those. Cherry fruit filling. I saw those. Is that that was a limited thing? Because those looked really good. Um, they are all. I believe Aldi still has has okay. them. They had them a few days ago when I was there. All right. Well, maybe I'll go and get some cookies. Yep. And then we also got two things of like chocolates. There was a chocolate truffle hearts that have like different flavors of heart-shaped chocolates. There's like cafe au lait and raspberry mascarpone, a strawberry rhubarb, bourbon vanilla. Um, tiramisu, which I won't eat because gross. And then there, we also got a thing of Belgian cocoa dusted truffles. Okay. I don't know what Belgian cocoa is, but it sounds amazing. Well, you know, it's cocoa from Belgian. It sounds from Belgian. It sounds fancy. From belgium So, yeah, I'm super excited uh, for... We aren't going to be able to eat all of this on one day, but my husband has been instructed that he's not allowed to touch any of this until Valentine's Day, so we've had it. Um in the fridge, and I cannot wait to try it uh, this week. Okay. So if uh, you're listening to this episode and you want to try some of these, go to your local Aldi and see if they have any left. Okay. Well, there you go. There's uh, there's Johnny's cheese story. That's my cheese story. Um, speaking of cheese stories, not not a segue that I'm making, um, we want to we wanna give a shout out to a few of our friends that are going to be doing some similar content to this, just just in case you didn't get enough news about two player games. Yes. So, uh, you've heard us talk about our friend, Sarah Traeger before she she's the one that had the, uh, GoFundMe, uh, a couple weeks ago. She has a podcast, the settlers of Catan, Machi Koro, um, mayor Mayor of of Machi Koro and friends is her podcast. And, on Valentine's Day, so when you're listening to this, if you're listening to it the day that the episode drops, then tomorrow, on Valentine's Day. I'm confused. Day, how do I, how, hold on. All right. I'm going to look at a calendar. All right. The day our episode comes out is February Wednesday. 13th. Yes. The day after that. The day after that, which February is Valentine's 14th, Day itself. is when Sarah and friends, I'm just going to say Sarah and friends, it's when they are going to have a podcast about two-player games. Yes. So if you would like to hear more about two-player games from different points of view, then I highly suggest the Settlers, Settler of Catan, Mayor of Machi Koro, and Friends. And their... I'll just put a link in yes, the episode notes. Their podcast is only available on their website. It is not available on iTunes or Google Play or any of the podcasting apps. So you would need to go to their website and download it. But I uh, think that... Sarah is amazing, and she has a lot of really great insight about mm-hmm. games. So I'd highly suggest just listening to her podcast in general because she she has a lot of great insight. And apparently on her on the website that the podcast is also on, she has a program that you can sign up for to get promo cards sent to you. What? Yeah. So there's another reason to visit Sarah's um, settler of Catan Mayor of Machikoro.com. Yeah. So, yeah, go check that out. There will be a link. Um, In our episode notes. Yeah. So you can click on that and you can look at it and see what happens. Yep. And then uh, you've heard us talk about our other friends, um, Table for Two, Jane and Phil. They have a video podcast. Mm -hmm. And they strictly do two-player points of view for like some of the games they do are just two player games, but they, they review games based on how well they play at two players. So if you are interested in, or you play more games with just one person other than yourself, then 
Table for Two is a really great resource to find out what games you want to try to play at two players and what games you might want to avoid at two players. So, yeah, because some episodes say they work with two players and they for sure do not. Not you said episodes. Oh, some episodes. Sorry, I was thinking about episodes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Some games say two to four players and they are not two player games. They're four player games. Yeah. That they've just made it so you can play two players. Oh, if you want to play this two players, uh, put two dummy players in the game. Yeah. Oh, but, or, but that or, makes it four players, Jondi. Right. Or sometimes it just is two to four players and the game's just not fun because it doesn't scale down yeah. that well. So uh, Table for Two is a really great resource to find out uh, whether or not you want to play a game at two player. And they're not the kind of people that are just going to say, you should play this game, you should play this game. They're going to show you how the game works. They're going to give you constructive criticism, but then good points about the game. That way you can make your own educated decision. Yeah, I also will have a link to that in our episode notes. Um, so... So are you eyeballing any Kickstarters lately, Jared? Um, yeah, can we talk about Parks? Parks looks real cool. Parks. Parks. Let me let me r- scroll all the way back up here. A game about exploring and discovering the U.S. national parks. It has bear meeples. Yeah. Beeples. I want. I want the beeples. Um, no, it it has a lot of animal meeples. Actually, it does. It has it has um, a whale for some reason. Um, uh, but I guess what? I, yeah. I didn't see the whale. Why is there a whale in a national park? <laughs> wait, a minute, wait, 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 wait. The John D. National parks come in all shapes and sizes. Well, uh, are there national parks that, like near the ocean? Probably. Like in in uh, oh, Glacier, the Glacier Bay National Park. There that's, you go. That's See, that's are. a whale. Yes. It's a whale of a good park. <laughs> yeah. You'll have a whale of a good time. Uh, so this is from a company called Keymaster Games. Yes. So check this out. Look at all the stuff that you get here, John D. I know that I know that if you're listening to this episode, you can't see this, but I just as as John D looks at all the stuff that comes in this game. What if I told you this is a $39 game? What? For all this? You only pay $39? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, that aside, it has 100 wooden resource tokens. That's a lot. That's a lot of wood a $40 for 40 game. bucks. Yeah. 48 park cards, 10 season, seasons cards, 7 years cards, 36 gear cards, not year, gear um, 15 canteens cards, 12 trail tiles, 15 photo tokens, um, a little camera, a bazillion meeples. I love the hiker meeples. Yeah, they're really cute. The hiker meeples and the little animal meeples are my favorite. If you uh, back it at $10 more, at $49, you also get a deck of playing cards that are themed to the national parks, which I think is pretty cool. I also think that's really cool. Um, I- you know, looking at this, there's only one criticism that I have for the game. Yeah, what's that? The art is beautiful. That's not a criticism. However, having said that, they the art is done by 35 different artists. Yeah. So there's a lot of style variety from card to card. That's true. And it's all beautiful, but it can be, I think, looking at them all, it's a little jarring because they don't all, the art styles don't all fit together real yeah, well. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but let's talk about the stretch goals for just a second here, because if you thought that you weren't getting enough value for your $40, um, guess what? What? You also get a full box organizer, which is a vacuum form trays by Game Trays. I love burr, burr, Game burr, Trays. Burr. I love Game Trays. 
I bought the game <laughs> trays organizers for Terraforming Mars. That's true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, game trays is doing inserts for this game, which is, you know, I don't want to sound like some kind of broken record here. I'm sure everybody that you've ever listened to on any podcast has said this, but game trays, game trays makes good stuff. They do. And the fact that you get this stuff, I think is great. Yeah. There is a really great, um, just like uh, display, like little kind of gif step-by-step on the Kickstarter on how to play the game. Yeah. It really demonstrates how things look, how things are going to work on your table. I really like the way they've presented this, this Kickstarter. I think it's fantastic presentation. They say that uh gen con pickup is expected to be available. So you're going to have to wait like two years for the yeah, game to well, come we'll out. We'll see, won't we? And we'll see. it is very funded. Yeah. So they were trying to get $20,000 and they're over, over 200,000. 200, yeah. So over $200,000 guys. Yes. So they're definitely making this game. Yep. Um, I know how much you guys like to bandwagon on super successful Kickstarters and this is one. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, before I even looked at this Kickstarter page, I had seen a ton of other people on Facebook talking about this game. So it's pretty, pretty cool looking. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah. Design not final on the game trays because of course it's not. Right. Right. They still have plenty of time to figure that out. Um, So yeah, if you like national parks, uh, if you hate national parks, if you like bear meeples, if you hate bear meeples, I don't care. The link will still be in the episode notes. Um, they're, They're donating some percentage of the profits from this game to the National Park Service for the entirety of the production schedule of this game. So as long as this game is available in print, um, they'll donate some percentage of the sales annually. I don't, I don't know all the details of that. I just know what I have read and what I've been told. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Unless you hate national parks, in which case, what, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't gotten to go to a lot of national parks, but there are a lot of national parks on my list of places I would like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can go to them in my game. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's true. I'll just pretend to go to them when I play parks. No, seriously, it looks like a great game. (laughs) Um, another game that looks pretty awesome that is super funded on Kickstarter right now is called Rival Restaurants, um, by a company I've never heard of, uh, Gap Closer Games. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, they were looking for $30,000 in there at 185000 So it's another one that has done very, very well. So the art in this game is great. I really, really like it. it is, uh, it's a competitive game where you're uh, trying basically to try to build your restaurant up. So... Are you, do you want to upgrade your restaurant for maximum options? Um, the description says, will you upgrade your restaurant for max, maximum options, make trades with others and focus on cooking, harness your chef's power to strike fear in your rivals or unleash game changing actions when they're least expected. So it sounds like there's some take, take that in the game. Uh, it says the choices are yours, but just remember in the race to become the hippest spot in town, there can only be one wiener. Uh, I could do without the pun. So uh, what I do like about this, and maybe you hate this, maybe you don't, 
there's a there's an add-on for a bento box, which is what they're calling it. It's a wooden insert to hold the game. That's actually pretty cool. And this is the most important thing. Room for sleeves and expansions. That is so fantastic. And I like the fact that they have said, yes, there will be room for this. It's really irritating when you get a game. I don't sleeve my games, but I know a lot of people that do. Mm -hmm. And it it gets really irritating when you buy a game and it's packed so tightly in the box that you can't sleeve your cards unless you put it in a different box. Yeah. Um, I I could do without a lot of these puns, though. Like there's uh, one of the stretch goals was the new chef, um, Kim Chi. There's a, another a new restaurant, which is a pho restaurant called Pho Reels. I'm okay with the restaurant name. I'm, uh, the, what about the new chef, Biff Brobecue? That one's actually kind of funny. Or Mortimer's, Mortimer, Mortimer Sleesburger. Uh, mm, yum, yeah. yum. So, yeah, it's it's got a lot of <laughs> punny uh, references in it, but it looks like a really great game. Um, I will say I'm not as impressed with their Kickstarter page anyway it's very colorful it shows off how fantastic the art is their kickstarter video i i if i was somebody yeah, that it was here's why i deserve your money not why here's why yeah I, so I don't, know, don't tell me about why i want to buy your game don't tell Just me tell your mom me likes the game. game don't tell me your friends like the game show me the game this is like that guacky talkie all over again. <laughs> yeah. don't produce your kickstarter video hi my I'm, name is blah, blah, blah. I I'm some guy you you've never heard of. I don't care who you are. For the past 13 years, my only dream has been to make a, a hot dog that is also <laughs> sentient. Yeah. Well, I with mean, your help, you can help make my dream a reality. My mom said it's a good idea that you should give me your money. And, and the video isn't that bad. It's, it's not. But it, it starts up immediately with the developers and they're like, hi, I'm so-and-so. Okay, look, I'm not, I don't mean to be mean. I don't care who you are. If I'm watching your Kickstarter video, I want to know about the product. And this video is over two minutes long. That is way too long. They lost me after 35 seconds. Having said that, uh, the game looks great. Oh God. It looks the like game looks amazing. I just, if I was the kind of backer that watches a video and then doesn't look at the campaign, yeah, if I check out after no the video, way. I would have checked out. I would have checked out, but I am somebody, I tend to actually look at a campaign page first and then watch the video. But if you're somebody that does it the other way around, I don't think a lot of people, I'm surprised that a lot of people got past the video. Yeah. The video tells me that I'm going to love this. Don't tell me what I'm going to love. Just tell me about the game and let me decide for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me the facts and then I'll make my own conclusion. Yeah. Show off the art. Show off the talk about the gameplay or the components. I don't care who you are. Now, you can talk about who you are on the campaign itself. Right. If it, don't put this in your Kickstarter video, this isn't the place for it. But if if your like pitch video has someone else saying that they like the game and that put they it on your recommend page somewhere. it. Yeah, that's definitely. Great. But if you're the designer of the game, um, of course you're already going to like your game. You spent right. years making the game. If right. You might be a little bit biased. And honestly, in your campaign video, I don't care how many years you were developing no. the game. I, that's a great story for somewhere else. Don't waste my time in the video. Make a, a video that is a minute or less. And just all the most important stuff goes in that minute yeah. or less. Anything else, any other videos you want to make. If you want to make a video about the development of the game, do a, go for it. Do a Kickstarter backer update where you have a video and you talk about the whole history of the game. That's yeah, actually really interesting. I'd watch great. that. And that gives you other content for, because updates are super important anyway. Yeah. So but that 30 yeah. second, think about it as a, as a TV commercial where you're advertising a new product. Yes. You don't want the, the CEO going, hi, 
I'm the CEO of this company that you've never heard of. We make pants. My, um, everybody tells me that they like to wear pants. I've been developing these pants for five <laughs> years. Pants. Everybody buys them. Yep. Available now at Kmart. Yeah. So. Um, no. Tell me. Do some like. I don't know. With that said, I hate this video. I would buy this game. Yeah. Um. You know, we'll, we'll put links to the Kickstarters. We'll go check out the episode notes. Check out your own Kickstarter web search. I don't care. Um. We, we don't make money if you buy these things on Kickstarter, obviously. Nope. Most of like these, we don't even know. Like, if, if we know the people making the game, we'll tell you. Hey, yeah. we know these people. I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but just so everybody is clear. We have no stake in any of these Kickstarters, other than the fact that sometimes we're backing them and would like to see them yeah. do well. Well, th- this uh, may have been the longest episode we've done in a really long time, John D. Well, all right. Well, we'll we'll continue uh, tweaking our new format. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, feedback super important. If you hated this format, uh, I, I would love to hear it. Um, it probably won't change what we're doing, but it I, might make I us change. Know. It might make us do you know, tweak things. Um, I really think it's more important that we focus in on games. But if there's a different way you'd like to see us do it, uh, you know, let us know. Yeah. So. Um, until next time from all of our family to yours uh, happy valentine's day i don't know what that means but people say it on like christmas specials they're like from from our family here at snl to yours this isn't saturday night live though but, no. but i mean that's that's i know. hope i hope if you celebrate valentine's day i hope that you and your significant other have a great valentine's day if you don't hey enjoy a, some two player games yeah. and don't give a crap about valentine's here's day. a really great idea if your valentine's day is you playing some board games for Valentine's Day? Super awesome. You, you need to tweet that. You need to share that. Let's start a trend right here, right now. Instead of spending $800 at a fancy restaurant, go buy a copy of Caverna Cave versus Cave. And, and some play. Aldi cheese. <laughs> <laughs> some Aldi cheese. But anyway, uh, until, until next time, time. You can eat chit and dice. Chit and Dice is an independent production of Swin Media and is distributed under a Creative Commons license, attribution, non-commercial, share alike, 4.0, international.